I'm going to be reading out of Hebrews today. So I'm in Hebrews chapter 1. And, you know, we have, we have been seeing things happen. We're watching people who, are, who have been touched. Um, the Word of God is so powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It just penetrates deep into our souls and our spirits. And uh, we have, we've, we've just seen things. We've seen things happen. We've seen people have a enlightenments where they understand what the Word of God says. They have been touched by the Holy Ghost. We have been seeing things, and we've been seeing the work of God. And I hope that the last three or four messages that you've heard um, has given you the ability or just to help you. You have, you have a job to do. You have service that you need to do for the Lord, and you need to be uh, directed in the right way, prayed for, pray amongst each other, pray for each other. There's a lot of things that we do as a body that helps us do what the Lord has called us to do. We, we need to be very aware that it's all about Jesus Christ, okay? It's about Jesus. Now, when people, especially a new believer, comes into the faith, and they finally understand that, oh, I was making it so hard. I was trying to understand with my human mind. I was trying to be good enough. I was trying, trying, trying. And finally, when I gave up trying, knowing that I can do nothing, but it's all about what Jesus did for me, and that finally gets into your mind and into your heart, and you're changed, and you start to understand what it means to enter into the rest that Sabbath rest, you finally understand that uh, Joseph and I was talking about this last night. We were talking about how easy it is for people to, once they, they understand salvation, and it's, it's not about anything they did, but then it's so easy to get caught up in, in uh, Jewish ritualism, uh, caught up in trying to obey the Bible that you don't rightly divide it, and you might end up, maybe, you wouldn't take a little lamb in today's society and, and, and sacrifice it, but what are some other things that you do that would be like taking a little lamb? You know how offensive that would be to God and especially Jesus? Because Jesus was that lamb and for us to go back and do a Jewish ritual and take a little lamb and to bring it to the church building so it could be slain, but we're, we wouldn't do that. But what about, we were talking about manna falling from heaven. And should we get up in the morning and run outside and look for manna? Well, the Bible talks about it. So that would be weird, but what does manna represent? So the little lamb was a type and picture of Jesus Christ one day. 
the manna that fell every morning is a type of Jesus. He is the bread of life. And we are to get up in the morning and think about Him and what He provides for us on a daily basis. Right? So we don't literally go outside and look for manna on the ground so that we can eat it, but we get up and we open up the Word of God. Or we, or we have a little devotional, we sit down and we pray to God, and we receive our manna on a daily basis. Just the right amount. Don't overdo it. Don't gorge on it. You got just enough for the day. If you tried to save some, it would rot. So we got to be, don't be super religious and get up and brag about how many hours you spent, you know, in your devotions. The best people who do devotions in the morning, you never know they do them. George and Gina were here not too long ago, and they came to church here. It was Christmas, was it Christmas morning? I think it was Christmas morning. They were here, and Gina, I know, gets up really early in the morning and spends hours studying and praying, reading the Word. I know she does that, but she never talks about it. But people who know her, that know what she does, you know, told me about it. And uh, what about uh, keeping the Sabbath day? Do, are you going to uh, start going to church on Saturday? Because that's the real Sabbath. Or are you going to set that day aside because it's in the Bible? Talks about it. Well, if you don't understand what the Sabbath day represents, which is the rest of Jesus, resting in Him, you can, you can actually uh, offend Jesus by trying to keep a day that was just a typing picture of Him. You need to rest in Him. All right, let's read out of Romans. I mean, uh, Hebrews. Romans is good too. But here we're in Hebrews. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, so just basically just different manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. That's how they knew in the past, throughout history, it was God spoke to people through the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Notice that it's the word of his power. He already had the power, and he just spoke the word. When he had by, by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That brightness that we can associate with Jesus you think of Paul riding on the road to Damascus. He's out to persecute and to wipe out this new Christian thing that was going on. And a brightness, brighter than the noonday sun, blinded him. That's Jesus. That's how Jesus, remember, the Father, 
you remember last week's sermon, the Father is the source. And the Father who we want to see one day in the future, He's unseen, we don't hear we can't hear Him, we can't see Him, and we want to get to Him one day. So He sent the Son to represent Him, even though the Son is Him, the Son, you know, in the beginning, where's your uh, bulletin? Look at your bulletin on the front. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning was the Word. This is uh, John 1. We read it last week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And then you go down to verse 14, and the Word, capital W, Word, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory uh, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is what we know, see, and hear. He came down here to be with us, and we saw God in Jesus. So we, we don't know the thoughts of God until He presents it to us in word, whether it be by Moses or the prophets, in the Psalms, the Proverbs, all of those things. Jesus talked to the two, two witnesses or the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He, he, he was walking with them. They didn't know who He was, and yet He expounded all of those things that were written about Him all through the Old Testament. And then He sat down with them and broke bread and they saw that it was Him. So, through the Scriptures is God's thoughts that we would know, have no idea what they are, but yet they're in word in our Bibles. Jesus Himself spoke them, all the prophets, so we know God's thoughts because we have the Word of God right here. And the Word, which is the express image of the Father, is talked about right here. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He made everything that was made. And Hebrews is, it says Hebrews. So you could say, well, that was just written to the Jewish nation. It's really not for us. Well, why is it that so many people who have a childlike faith, they're born again, and they're new in the faith, they're stark walking their Christian life, and all of a sudden they get back into religious ritual stuff. They get pulled there to the point where they, they would be told in Galatians that you're falling from grace. You're falling from grace because... It's so easy to get caught up in religious stuff and to be religious and to start being ritualistic and not being led by the Spirit and having total confidence in what Jesus did for you and, and living that uh, life of rest in Him. Remember that, remember that story 
I, I, was, I told you all a long time ago about the, the missionary. He went over to Africa, and he was, he was in his truck going down the road, and that uh, uh, African man was carrying that big load. It was a big old basket he was holding. He was walking down the road, and he pulled up, and he got out, and he said, would you like to get in the back of my truck, and I'll take you to where you're going? And the guy was like, yeah. So he gets up in the back of the truck, and they take off going. He looks in the rearview mirror, and the guy is in the back of the bed of the truck, and he's holding that big bundle up on his shoulder, going down there. And the guy stops. He gets out. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you holding the load? And the man said, well, I didn't know if this truck could hold me and the load. And, and we do the same thing. We, we, we say we trust Jesus and we're born again, we're saved, but yet we're still carrying everything. And God's looking down at us like, what don't you get? I'm carrying you. Set all that stuff down. <clears throat> and we just want to pile things on and get into things that were never meant for us to do. So this book of Hebrews, even though it's written to the Hebrew, who, who wrote it? No, there's no one here that says, it, every single one, I, I've told you before, I think Paul wrote it. But you know what? It's anonymous. No one makes a claim to who wrote it. Usually, at the very beginning of an epistle, you'll see Paul, an apostle, by God. You know, not by, the, by man, but by God. He, he tells you who he is, or Peter. You know who's, who's talking but here you don't see it. You don't see anybody say, this is who I am and this is why I'm writing to you and all, and all that. You, it's anonymous. And people want to argue over who wrote it. It doesn't matter. God wrote it. And this is the most inspired. If you, could, if you have uh, a rating on how inspired it is, because I think if it's inspired, it's inspired. You can't get any more or less. But if you had a rating, this would be the top rated one. Because there's no man assigned to it at all. But yet we know God used a man to write it out. And you go over to, I think it's 2 Peter, and it talks about Paul writing a letter to them. He's probably talking about this one right here, Hebrews. But it's good that it's anonymous. Because the focus doesn't go on any person. It goes directly to, what's the very first word? God. God wrote this. Pay attention. So it applies to us today just like it would to the Hebrews back then. Because the Hebrews had a really hard time getting, just letting go with all of the things that they did. All the feast days. All of the, all of the ritual things they did in the tabernacle and then in the temple. All that stuff was special to them. Very special. Raising up those little perfect lambs. All the stuff that was we shouldn't even be considering because we're Gentiles, but yet we get caught up in all of those things. And it's a trick of the devil to get, you, get your eyes off of Jesus and on how good you're doing and how many things you can do. Uh, if you, if you uh, some things you are not able to do except through prayer and fasting, okay? Well, you get into fasting, and if you start talking about how much you fast, you've ruined everything. If you're fasting, fast. But you don't need to tell anybody about it. 
There's a lot of things that we can do that we don't need to make known. And we don't need to get into trying to put other things in with our simple belief that Jesus is that little Lamb of God, that precious Lamb of God, perfect. Right? Now, Jesus, the man, remember, in 14 of uh, John 1, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God manifested Himself in a human body so that He can be that perfect sacrifice. Four, this is back uh, Hebrews 1, verse 4, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now the angels were very important to the Jewish nation. Michael, Gabriel, think about all the things Gabriel did. So angels were known to come down and look exactly like men and walk through the city of Sodom and to strike people with blindness, to guide people out of Sodom before it was totally destroyed. Angels were thought very highly of. Jesus was made so much better than angels. As he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for unto which, unto which is a question, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. You will not see that verse in a uh, New World Translation, like the Jehovah Witnesses Bible. It might say something about and, uh, that the angels should bow to him, but it will not say worship. J Jesus is God. He is to be worshipped. And if Jesus isn't part of your trinity, you have no God at all. And I've, I've explained that so many times before. So the angels are going to worship Jesus. They did and they are worshiping him. And of the angels he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God. All right, this is God. God is saying this. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God talking about Jesus, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Now remember, uh, we just talked about it in Sunday school, David's throne is forever and ever. David's throne. David is the reason Jesus... David is a type and picture, and that throne that was set up is going to always be there, not because of David himself, but because of what David represented, he was a type and picture of Jesus. It's actually Jesus' throne that is forever. Verse 9, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity, therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. 
And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. This is Jesus. They shall perish. Okay, so all of the, uh, the earth, the foundations of the work, everything that God did, and we see creation. We, we walk outside, we see creation, and we love it. It says all that's going to perish. It's all going to be gone. No matter what you do to try to save this planet, sooner or later, it's gone. It's going to perish. And God's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. Right? So don't get caught up in being all crazy about this, this earth. We, got, we have to be very... We, we, we don't want to be disrespectful, and, and, and we've done a lot to, to help with pollution and all that stuff. I can remember back in the 70s, it was bad. It was really bad. And we needed to do some things to be good uh, uh, stewards of this earth. But don't get too wrapped up in it and too crazy with it because it'll lead you astray. It'll become, that'll become your religion. And we have to understand that no matter what we do, it's going to eventually perish. Peter talks about it's going to melt with a fervent heat. But we, don't, we, don't, we, don't need, we can't stop what we, what we can't stop. God is, is in control, and we have to know that. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doeth a garment. This earth is going to wear out one day, but God's got a plan for it. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he, at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Chapter 2. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles, different miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? You are precious in the sight of God. And God thought so much of you that He became flesh to come down and dwell with you and to be tempted in all points like you were tempted so that He would be a perfect sacrifice for you. Seven, thou madest Him a little lower than the angels. Now notice, it's talking about God and Jesus being way greater than the angels, but here He was made... Uh, thou madest him a little lower than the angels, 
That describes humankind. Thou crownedest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him, but now we see not yet all things put under him. So even though he is the creator of all things, and he gave it all to Adam, Adam messed up. Satan is now the ruler, the prince and the ruler of the uh, heavenlies, the, the uh, principalities and all that. Why do you think Satan offered it to Jesus when Jesus was being tempted in the desert? That was one of the temptations. How could, how could Satan offer the kingdoms of the world to Jesus? That shows us that Satan is ruling right now and that we are waiting for Jesus to take it all back, even though we know it's all his, but he's not actually controlling everything like you could, and it's all for a purpose, but, oh, this is a wonderful verse, verse 9. So we, so we don't see, we, we call, we, we're like, why, did, why does God allow all these bad things to happen? Why, 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 why? Why do they have to suffer? Why do they have to do this and all this? Why are these bad things happening? And it's because, uh, in verse, at the end of verse 8, but now we see not yet all things put under him. And then, verse 9, but we see Jesus. That, I love that verse. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Jesus died for every man. But does every man see Jesus hanging on that cross? Does every person see Jesus on a cross that they themselves should have been nailed to? Do you see, do you see Jesus? Critical that you see Jesus hanging on that cross. For it became Him for whom all are all things, and by Him are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are, are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. If you will look to Jesus and you will accept everything that he's done for you, he is not ashamed to call you brethren. Isn't that awesome news? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the precious gift of your son coming down to be the lamb that would suffer and die in our place. That the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse us completely. Father, we want to be believers in what Jesus has done. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us keep our eyes on Him. Father, Your Word is so precious to us. 
Father, we thank you for coming down here to, to be like us, to sacrifice for us. And we know that what you did was for each and every one of us. And Father, I just pray that everybody would believe on it. Truly believe that we would leave all those things that we think we need to do to be righteous, to be, to be uh, in favor with you. Father, that we would set those things aside, that we would look solely to the work of Jesus. And then, Father, after we, we accept your salvation free, that then we will go do good works, Father, that we will not get it backwards. Thank you, Lord. Father, I ask that you would bless each and every person that came today. And Father, I pray that we would all be filled with the Spirit and that we would leave here and we would continue to walk after the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.